Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Maiden Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined today uh, by Bill Oram, columnist for the Oregonian, uh, here to discuss the, the news of the week. Uh, nothing soccer related today, obviously. Soccer is secondary as far as uh, this podcast goes. Uh, the latest news out of PTFC that Mike Golub and Gavin Wilkinson have been fired from their positions as president of business and president of soccer for the organization. Merritt Paulson has stepped aside from Thorne's related decision-making, but remains the owner of the club, despite calls for his ownership to cease from fans and others in the community and throughout soccer. Um, this comes on the heels of the U S soccer investigation, just to fill folks in where, uh, a great deal of information was exposed on the part of uh, Gavin Wilkinson, Merritt Paulson, and others in the organization. Uh, before we get into the details, uh, Bill, I guess, what are your general thoughts um, as, as this week comes to a close uh, in what was really a, a defining week for PTFC? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A um, you know, it started with a bombshell report, and then and then. Um somewhat inevitable fallout and overdue accountability. Um, you know, this is what people have been calling for for a year. Uh, it's at least the, the part of what people have been calling for where, you know, Gavin Wilkinson needs to be held accountable for the mistakes he made when it came to firing Paul Riley. Um, Mike Golub, after your reporting on on his workplace conduct. Um, and so those two are gone, but I think the, the, the real thing that I keep coming back to is is the culture that allowed those two to remain and to and to um really avoid accountability for so long, you know, starts and ends with Merritt Paulson, who remains the owner and and, you know, is is unlikely to have lose his teams. There's really not a mechanism for that that is likely to be in, enforced. So, you know, it really comes down to, you know, whether or not he can be compelled to sell these teams so that, you know, the Timbers and Thorns and their fan bases can truly begin to heal. And I've written this and I, you know, feel very strongly that that healing can't take place as long as Merritt Paulson is still there. I don't think that, you know, I think there was an opportunity, you know, in the past for, you know, firing Gavin Wilkinson to be sort of the, the, the thing that kind of addressed the, the ugly history but that that moment passed, and and now it's not enough. I don't think that that is uh, on its own is is justice for you know um, for the victims, and 
at this point, I think there's really only, you know, one thing that that could be, which is, you know, kind of the ultimate reckoning of 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 Merritt Paulson selling these teams. Right. And um, for those who, who may not be familiar with the details of, of what has come out this week, obviously, folks who have been following this story know that former Thorns coach Paul Riley was accused of, of sexual misconduct uh, by two former players who say that uh, he harassed them or coerced them into se- a sexual relationship. Uh, now, the U.S. soccer investigation looked into how the Portland Thorns organization specifically handled that, uh, and it found that Merritt Paulson and Gavin Wilkinson essentially um, p- played a role in enabling and really uh, vouching for Paul Riley as as far as his ability to continue coaching for years after these allegations were investigated, confirmed, and then he was fired for them by PTFC. Um, Merritt Paulson knew of non-sexual abusive behavior as early as 2014 with Paul Riley, uh, did not act on that information. Gavin Wilkinson, in conversations with the Western New York Flash, uh, said that he would hire Riley in a heartbeat and that it was Mana Shim, one of the victims of Paul Riley, who put Paul Riley in a, quote, bad position. Th- those were two of the primary issues that came up. Others, in- including one uh, about Mike Golub, where he made a sexual remark to Cindy Barlow Cohn, who uh, was the coach of the Portland Thorns in 2013 uh, and is now the president of U.S. soccer. Uh, she contributed to that investigation by uh, exposing b- alleged behavior by Mike Golub, which fits a pattern that we have reported on and that he uh, created a toxic work environment in the view of many of the people that worked for him. Uh, plenty of other details that uh, that led to this firing as well. Uh, the firings, I should say, of, of both Golub and Wilkinson. And at this point, uh, the organization uh, is is seeking to try and pick up the pieces uh, with Merritt Paulson still as the owner, but really removed from everything uh, in terms of the team. At this point, he's been silent since his statement, uh, apologizing for the, the mistakes that the uh, organization has made. And, and, you know, his initial reaction, which I think is important for people to know, uh, was to have him, Wilkinson, and Golub all step away just from the thorns. One day later, after making that decision, uh, he decides to fire both of them. And, and I think that has a lot to do with public pressure from fans who demanded much more accountability than came out of this. Uh, you look at the Timbers Army and Rose City Riveters taking the unprecedented step of coming together and calling for a change in ownership, calling for the firing of these two executives. And now two of those three things have happened, but it still feels like this cloud is hanging over this organization in that people are demanding Merritt Paulson give up ownership of the teams and that institutional change begins to happen. So Bill, um, what do you think that the next few months are going to look like or what should they look like as, as far as this franchise? Oh, that is a, that is a big question that I don't know that I have a great answer for. Um, I can tell you what I think it should look like or what I would hope it would look like which would be that you know sponsors would continue to keep pressure on Merritt Paulson. I thought that you know there's 
there's a slight irony that uh, I'm about to praise Tillamook, the Tillamook uh, County Creamery Association because I uh, make a huge deal about the fact that I'm from Tillamook and it is a huge source of pride for me. But I'm also proud of the statement that the Tillamook uh, County Creamery Association issued yesterday after Gavin Wilkinson and um, Mike Olive had been fired. You know, I thought that, you know, Tillamook kept kind of their foot on, on the gas and said, we will not consider future sponsorship until um, – I'd have to go back and look at the exact statement, but essentially until change that would, you know, systemic and institutional change that would reverse the culture um, was made. And now that Golub and Wilkinson are gone, that really only refers to one person and one thing, and that's Merritt Paulson. So I thought that set an important tone uh, for where this could be going, that, you know, certain sponsors at least weren't looking at the firing of Golub and Wilkinson as um, enough. I, I do think that, um, you know, it will be interesting to see how the, the the supporters groups respond. I think you've seen that they have they have you know issued more statements saying that they will continue to uh, you know seek the you know the sale of the teams. You know, what does the Thorn semifinal game on the twenty third look like? You know, what is the what is the um, you know what does the Riveters section look like at that at that you know match, which is kind of you know potentially the culmination of the season, right? Like this is kind of what you what you go through the whole season with your team for, you know, are, are the fans going to be there? Um, and, you know, but as it relates to Merritt Paulson, I really think that he has pretty clearly set a tone that he is trying to draw a line between the Timbers and the Thorns, you know, we, where he, you know, tried to recuse himself from Thorns related decisions um, while still, you know, running the Timbers. And that was the original, like you said, the instinct with Wilkinson and Golub as well, which is just insulting, Ryan. And it is, it is, um, it's, it's a laughable sort of blurring or it's drawing, it's drawing a line where there is none because in every other functional way, and you know this, you cover both teams, the Thorns and Timbers are a single entity. Um, you know, I understand legally, you know, you could technically sell off the thorns. I mean, it's not like it's impossible to do that. But but ultimately, if Merritt Paulson is unfit to own one professional soccer team, then he's unfit to run the other one. And that's why I, you know, yesterday called on Don Garber, the commissioner of the MLS, to to intercede here and to make make it clear that, you know, that what you know, was reflected in the, in the Sally, in, in, in the Sally Yates report is not, is not compatible with the MLS either. And to use the weight of his influence to uh, force a sale. Now that's complicated because we know that Don Garber loves him some Merritt Paulson and he is very close with his father, Hank Paulson and, you know, views, you know, the Portland franchise as, as sort of, you know, a key cog in the whole MLS machine. He praised Merritt, you know, as recently as February, you know, so that's asking a lot of Don Garber after kind of where he's positioned himself uh, with Merritt Paulson in the past. But I think, you know, we are, you know, in a, in a place where, you know, that is all irrelevant now. You know, the information that has come out that directly implicates um, Merritt in this situation that shows how complicit he was in keeping elements of this concealed um, I think has 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 changed the has changed the landscape. And and Don Garber did issue a statement yesterday that I thought was um I, I thought it was I thought it was good. I thought it was a and I need to pull it up, but he did, I think, say, you know, 
that he thought that firing Gavin Wilkinson and um, Mike Golub was an important first step. And I think that that is, I think, I think, I think looking at that as a first step is, is, is important and is good because there need to be more. Um, there needs to be more, uh, more kind of shoes to drop. So um, I thought Don Garber's statement was, was solid, but I do want to see action behind it. Right. And, and, you know, the, one of the challenges that, uh, that exists in this situation is that, uh, it requires a 75% vote on the part of, of Correct. other MLS owners, uh, for Merritt Paulson to, to be removed from ownership, uh, by MLS. So it really comes down to public pressure in the end, uh, for Merritt to sell the timber specifically because, um, you know, it, it is much easier for that to happen if he just chooses to do so on his own volition. And uh, I worry about the potential for, for a separation of the clubs, because I think that what has allowed the Portland Thorns to not only survive, but thrive has been the fact that they have that institutional support from right. PTFC generally that has built really this, this diehard totally fan base. And, and so if they were to separate, if they were to, be forced into a situation where they might not be able to play at Providence Park. They might have to find somewhere else to play their games, or uh, they don't have that level of financial and institutional support that they do when they're, you know, tied up with the Timbers in this way. Uh, it imperils really one of the most important and popular and interesting women's sports brands in the world, and and you have to be careful. Um, and and I would hope that if you know, Merritt Paulson is is someone who is seeking to to remove himself from the thorns. Uh, I w- I would hope that the idea of separating these two teams being a danger to the thorns is f- front of mind for him. I, I think that it's important that he understands that there are consequences to that. I think you're really touching on something that, at least from what I've heard um, from members of the fan base and and people kind of around professional soccer is that there is a there is a desire to see merit out of the picture but a fear that you what could that lead to with regards to these teams meaning either the um you know the thorns becoming uncoupled from the timbers and potentially like you said uh losing that institutional support and then just all that merit has poured into the timbers and the thorns do, do they lose some of that, you know, that momentum? And I, I think ultimately you just have to look at the at the world of American soccer right now and understand the upswing that it is on, and particularly with women's soccer. And the NWSL, despite this, I mean, this current, you know, this current, you know, report is extremely troubling. But as a sport and as enthusiasm for the sport, it is it is booming. You look at the expansion uh, teams around around the country. Um, San Diego is putting thirty thousand fans in there in their stadium. There are, um, you know, expansion fees just for the NWSL teams that, you know, exceed what Merritt Paulson spent on the thorns, or excuse me, on the timbers and the, and the now defunct, unfortunately, Portland Beavers, you know, a decade and a half ago, you know, it's $50 million expansion fee just to, um, get a NWSL club, you know, into the league, let alone all the operational costs. So this has become big business and it's much bigger business than when Merritt Paulson set out and when he, you know, kind of, you know, started, helped kind of, you know, push this thing along, especially on the NWSL side. So 
I think that there is, I mean, there's questions about who would a buyer be, who would, who would, who has the money to come in and, and buy these two clubs from Merritt Paulson for, you know, what, $800 million, 700 and some million dollars. But I do think that, you know, you have to have some trust that if the league is going to survive, it doesn't need Merritt Paulson to survive, meaning the NWSL. And that you look at the fact that, um, that there has been such, uh, enthusiasm in places like Los Angeles where Angel City FC has, you know, you know, has had such huge support. And by the way, Angel City doesn't have, um, you know, the same ownership as LAFC. They have, they have separate ownership. Now, granted that's, you have the, you have the faces, the, you know, the celebrity faces, you know, supporting Angel City FC. Um, but you do have, you know, just a real interest in NWSL clubs getting off the ground and, and, um, a real enthusiasm and fan support. And especially in a place like Portland where you already have that institutionalized, I think, yes, obviously you want that club to play at Providence park, but I think you kind of almost have to avoid the doomsday scenario of what a new owner would bring because we're currently living the doomsday scenario of what this owner has brought. So I really think that, you know, have confidence, have trust in the sport, in the fan base, in the in the teams, and 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 trust that whoever buys these clubs is going to, you know, understand where they are um, picking them up and what the what the recent history has been and what the obligation of new ownership is, which is going to be to create an inclusive and safe environment for employees, for players, for coaches that um, really kind of helps reverse the state of of these franchises. That you know, right now, I mean. You know, you know, as as a city, as a state, we can be proud of the players, and we can be proud of the teams, we can be proud of the brands. But you know, I think you know we have have to be embarrassed by by the organizations, and we have to be embarrassed by what has been allowed to um, be your standard operating procedure. But but be embarrassed by the actions of Gavin Wilkinson and Mike Golub, and then be embarrassed by an owner who enabled them and protected them. You know, the report from The Athletic yesterday that um, amid these investigations, Gavin Wilkinson was given a contract extension. That is, you know, a clear example. And there's a lot of nuance to that and procedurally why, you know, a contract extension was sort of, you know, made sense at that time. But that's under normal circumstances. These were not normal circumstances. He was under an investigation for something that, one, Merritt Paulson knew about years ago, and two, that ultimately led to his firing. So obviously that shouldn't have happened. And and by the way, you know, for anybody who wants to tell me that Merritt Paulson, you know, could have changed or that these mistakes were years ago, he has made mistakes as recently as two days ago. Like, the, so don't tell me that, the, you, you know, that he should not be held to account for mistakes made eight years ago. He has made mistakes repeatedly throughout this. And by the way, if Gavin Wilkinson, um, if, if it was the right thing to fire Gavin Wilkinson on Wednesday, well, then it was the right thing to fire him in 2015. And so that means for seven years, you turned a blind eye to something that was ultimately, um, that this, this man ultimately deserved to be fired for. And that is an unforgivable sin. And I think that you can't ignore the the situation with Andy Polo uh, on the Timbers as something that uh, was really integral to to the tenure of Gavin Wilkinson. Uh, he played a, a role in that where he he was responsible for reporting uh, that domestic violence incident that was alleged uh, to the league. 
uh, and he did not. And the, and the league eventually, uh, after Genesis Alarcon's additional allegations, fined the Timbers for that. So uh, it really wasn't uh, uh, just a, a Thorns issue for for Gavin Wilkinson. These he had issues uh, in terms of uh, the management of of the Timbers. So uh, what what do you think, Bill? As far as how that speaks to um, the initial plan that that Merritt Paulson had to just have Wilkinson and Golub stay on the Timbers, and and you know that that can also tie in with Golub too because his the issues with his management that people alleged in our reporting. Right. Um, they didn't just exist for the people who worked for the Thorns. He he was somebody who primarily worked with Timbers employees. Yeah, that's a great point uh, too, um, Ryan. Because and it also shows that with the initial plan to have Golub recuse himself, it was only really in response to the Yates report and not and kind of ignoring the preponderance of reporting that you had done on on other employees and, like you said, primarily Timbers employees who um, had 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 those experiences with him um, as it relates to the polo situation, you know, that, that was just as kind of a continuation and further example of the lack of, you know, I would say integrity, the lack of integrity with the the way decisions were being, were being made and they weren't being made in the best interests of, um, of the club's top to bottom. They're being made in the best interests of protecting um, the image of the club and protecting and protecting, um, you know, protecting Merritt Paulson. And in this instance, you know, not protecting, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the partner, you know, the woman. And that is, you know, I mean, that is an example, I suppose, Ryan, of you didn't protect the women who played for your women's club, but you also aren't protecting women who aren't just part of your women's club. It's it's kind of a across the board sort of thing. We're seeing women were not protected who played for the Thorns. Women were not protected within the offices of PTFC because of the allegations against um, Mike Golub. And in an instance where a player who's, you know, who was accused of committing an act of domestic violence, you did not act with um, consideration of the woman in that situation. So the theme here is that women under the umbrella of Merritt Paulson's soccer empire are not protected. And that needs to be the, that needs to be the headline on this. And that is the case as long as, you know, as long as Merritt Paulson is the owner here. So, I mean, you know, those all are significant factors in this, in this situation. And from a player perspective, we have not heard uh, from Portland Thorns players yet. I know that we will in the coming weeks as they have an opportunity to digest this and to to sit with this. And, and I think it's important that people understand that for many of these women, this is this is traumatic. This is something they've either been through in their own lives or they know women who have. And this is the sport that they love and that they uh, have built their lives around. So, you know, we have to, I think, give people like the Thorns players space to to digest stuff like this. Uh, we have heard, however, from one player on the Portland Timbers, George Foshive, who uh, spoke on John Canzano's radio show yesterday on 750 The Game. Uh, he was there to discuss his art show, which is uh, we're recording on Thursday right now, uh, and that's tonight. Uh, he has got an art show at Akati PDX. We wrote a feature uh, a couple weeks back about that and about his budding art career. Uh, he's a really intelligent, thoughtful guy. 
uh, George Fushive is a longtime uh, professional soccer player. He was on the you know 2015 MLS Cup team. He bounced around in Europe and the Middle East and elsewhere on teams, and now he's back. He's not really usually in the 18 for the club, but he's he's a, a stalwart of, of the club, and so he knows knows how the things work around here. And he he had a quote that was really you know embraced by the fans who said finally like you know, a, a player is, is sharing a thought that we can really get behind. Uh, George Fushive said, we don't play for Merritt Paulson. We play for the city of Portland, for the Timbers army, for our fans, the owners, directors, and GMs. They're just employees. Those are not the people I play for. I didn't even think about them. I thought of the victims and, and he had a really, you know, thoughtful interview in general and i would encourage people to listen to that but um i I think that it's an important perspective for people to hear and and i was wondering what your thoughts were on on george's comments bill yeah i thought you know i think it probably mirrors those of the fan base that you're that you're referencing i mean it it was um it was comforting you know to hear a player sort of you know say like our thoughts were with the victims and you know i'm not going to lose a whole lot of sleep over how this affected merritt paulson um you know that is not the person i'm concerned about i'm concerned about I'm concerned about the women who were affected and i think it probably also you know probably helps tether fans to the team right i mean there i think that i think there has been where i would imagine there has been a little bit of a tug of war uh in the um conscience of some fans right where you see that these atrocities have occurred and you have such disdain for um the people who have caused this situation and yet you want to cheer for the team and so how do you you know justify you know going to a game or how do you justify cheering for the team when the you know the ownership in front office has been so awful and you know, hearing comments like that, if I'm a fan of the Timbers, you know, tells me that, you know, George Fashive and me, the fan, are are linked, that we have a connection that is bigger than this, you know, scandal and this and this outrageous behavior in the front office. So um I think, you know, I think it was nece- a necessary message to sort of um give fans some encouragement that that the players are on their sides as well. Right, and I think it's important also that we center the voices of of the players on the women's side who uh, have spoken out about this too. Megan Rapino, who plays for OL Reign and the U.S. Women's National Team, always been an outspoken political voice and advocate for social change. She said that Merritt Paulson should not be the owner of of the Portland Thorns, and uh, additionally, Rian Wilkinson um, spoke out today uh, and offered a, a statement of support for her players and and said that she wants to give them the space to to digest this and to think about um about the findings of this and and to use their voices in the way they want to um a couple already have you know Becky Sauerbrunn is one Portland Thorns defender and US Women's National Team star she was key in in securing equal pay uh along with Rapino and others Crystal Dunn uh, 
players who, who worked really hard to get equal pay for, for the U S women's national team. Becky Sauerbrunn said that owners who uh, contributed to, to this cultural issue uh, should be gone from NWSL. Um, these aren't necessarily in, in the way of the Portland players direct calls for Merritt Paulson's removal in the, in the way that Megan Rapinoe's was, but do you feel like that type of vo- voicing of of needing for a reckoning is enough momentum to potentially move that needle for Merritt Paulson, or or do you think something more may need to happen, like a a boycott on the part of the players, or uh, some level of additional outside pressure from fans, sponsors, whatever? What what do you think the the tipping point could potentially be? I think just a continuation of what we're hearing. You know, Megan Rapinoe is a obviously a massive voice in in women's soccer, University of Portland uh, alum. So I mean, certainly familiar with the market and the fan base as well. Um, you know, I think I think probably more direct calls for uh, his removal, but also again, not just the thorns. I think that this has to really come from, uh, you know from the MLS side as well from, you know, Timbers players or MLS players. Um, you know, if there was an MLS player who said that they would not play in Portland, you know, for example, if Merritt Paulson was the owner, something, something along those lines. But I mean, ultimately this is going to come down to how much, you know, Merritt Paulson can stomach being called a, you know, all the things that he's being called, all the things that he's hearing about himself, um, from sponsors, from fans, from players, um, at some point, you would hope that he would he would throw up his hands and say that he's had enough and that he can't take it anymore because that is probably that is how that sort of change comes about and you look around that is what you know happened you know in i mean there was certainly pressure from the league and and sponsors in phoenix with with uh, robert sarver uh deloy hansen in utah with the utah royals and real salt lake um you know i think there was pressure from the league but here's the problem Deloy Hansen was a contemptible individual anyway. He was a very unlikable guy. I was in Utah when he bought when he bought Real Salt Lake. Nobody liked him. He didn't know anything about soccer. Um, he was just a rich guy. And Merritt Paulson is different. He has been embraced by the soccer community for a very, very, very long time. So it's not as easy for, you know, the the power brokers behind the scenes to, you know, kind of dismiss Merritt Paulson like it was with Deloy Hansen. So um I think it's a real. I, th- I think it's a real morality test on the part of you know Don Garber and and you know other people behind the scenes on on how they view Merritt Paulson as as somebody who deserves to be an owner in this league. And again, I don't think you're going to see that 75 percent vote of owners to remove Merritt Paulson, but I think that you need to see you know the the gentle but firm nudging of him toward the door. That's what that's what needs to happen. So. You know, I think, you know, the comments this week have been great to work toward that end, because obviously I'm on the side of getting Merritt Paulson out of out of the Timbers and Thorns. Um, but it needs to continue. It, it needs to not let up because I do think Merritt Paulson's play here is to survive and sort of wait for the the storm to pass and for people to kind of get over it. And um and hope that, hey, it's, you know, it's women's soccer. Maybe it's going to, you know, people are going to stop caring about it in, you know, in the, in, you know, in, in the broader culture. And my hope would be that, you know, 
the NWSL, thanks to the people who made it what it is, including Merritt Paulson, um, is bigger than that. And it's not just going to pass and, and that there will, this pressure will remain and that, you know, there will be ultimately a breaking point. Um, you know, but if, if the seasons end and we go through, you know, an off season and Merritt Paulson doesn't go away and we move on to talking about other things. And then, then we start talking about, you know, free agent signings and designated players and, and all of a sudden it's just sort of business as usual. Um, you know, that's how Merritt Paulson would survive. And I, I, I think that Portland deserves better than that. Thank you, Bill, for, for lending your perspective on this. It, it's always appreciated. We look forward to having you back on the podcast as much as, as possible in these coming months. And, and what I can say to, to fans and to listeners is that we will continue to have these conversations. We will continue to, to cover these issues and pay attention uh, in, in the coming months and years uh, as, as calls for this, this level of change continue to grow louder from, from the voices of the people that we cover. Uh, so so for, for those who are interested in reading our coverage, you can go to OregonLive.com. Uh, plenty about the the U.S. soccer investigation, about the firings of Gavin Wilkinson and Mike Golub uh, on there to read OregonLive.com. Follow uh, Soccer Maiden PDX on Twitter. Make sure that you uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and we will be back uh, next week to, to talk some soccer as uh, the Portland Timbers this Sunday take on Real Salt Lake, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that's on the road the the Timbers will play. Uh, that game is on ESPN 2, 2 p.m. Pacific on Sunday. October 23rd, the Portland Thorns will host a semifinal match in the NWSL. Uh, their opponent has yet to be determined, but uh, definitely a game to watch there for for a great number of reasons, namely the, uh, the issues that have faced NWSL in recent months. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week.